Welcome back to the Noon on Saturday podcast. Ben Bobek, Steve Brown, Alex Manjarevic. We are back in a big way for the 2020 college football season. No matter how it looks, it's going to be an interesting season as it unfolds over the next couple weeks. But we're going to start with a little bit of a Homer Hour. A couple episodes here breaking down the Pitt Panthers 2020 season and their outlook under sixth-year head coach Pat Narduzzi in depth. All that coming up right here on the Noon on Saturday podcast. And welcome back to Noon on Saturday college football as it was meant to be. Guys, this has the outlook of quite an interesting year with coronavirus pandemic and everything, all the protocols and complications that have come out of this. But it seems as though for the ACC, for the Pitt Panthers, the Big 12, and the SEC as well among the Power Five conferences, there will be a college football season this fall. And there will be a lot of promise and a lot of optimism around the Pitt football team coming into this 2020 season. Yeah, I'm kind of uh, stunned that we're actually having a season. I don't know about you guys, but I didn't think this was going to happen. 12 days away. Uh, I never thought that would be the case, but here Paris we are. Paris four days away. Paris four days away. Um, at least the time of recording, but yeah, I I agree, Alex. I think um, it's been a windy road. It's been rocky for sure, but. Back in March, I was thinking, you know, we're for sure going to have a college football season. It's far enough away. And then when we got to June, I think. As June progressed and we got into July, I think it was looking very bleak. And then obviously the Big Ten and the Pac, Pac-12 canceled. And I think that was – everyone was kind of just assumed that was the beginning of the end. But no, the uh, the ACC, the SEC, and uh, the Big 12, they're not leaving. Not leaving. They're and not it feels leaving. great. As, as much as I don't know if that's the right decision, I don't know if it's even going to, you know, I don't think the season – the season may not even get completed, but as of now, all I can say is that is very good news, I think, for all all football fans in those three conferences. Absolutely. We get to see – if we get to see at least one game, I'm, I'm going to be overjoyed. Well, one game that isn't Austin P. I'd like – I – Teach them. Less than two weeks out now from that opener, September 12th at Heinz Field – the Panthers will welcome the governors of Austin P, the 2019 Ohio Valley Conference co-champions, FCS playoff semifinalists. We saw the governors in action uh, earlier last week as they opened up the 2020 college football season in prime time on ESPN against the Bears of Central Arkansas, the governors dropping that decision, but showcasing a little bit of what they can do offensively. Meanwhile, the Panthers come into this season off the back of a fantastic top 15 nationwide defensive effort. One of the nation's leaders in sacks up front between Jalen Twyman, Patrick Jones, and the rest of that insanely talented defensive front. 
But it seems for the 2020 season, the major questions for Pat Narduzzi, for offensive coordinator Mark Whipple, and all of the Panthers staff will be on the offensive front. And so that's where we're going to start. Let's start in the quarterback room, fourth-year senior, fourth-year starter, including that last game against number two Miami his freshman season. Kenny Pickett returns his second year in Whipple's pass-heavy system. He will be backed up by either Arizona State transfer Joey Yellen or the three-star out of South Carolina, Davis Bevel, both redshirt freshmen. Let's start there with the backup quarterback battle. Were you a little bit surprised to see Joey Yellen receive that transfer waiver? And which of those two quarterbacks do you expect to see backing up Pickett coming into this year? I'd I was not surprised. Um, I think only it's a rare occasion now for, for an immediate transfer waiver to be denied. And the, it's, it's a weird process. I don't think the NCA really has any idea, but I wasn't surprised, but I think that's going to be the best for the QB room um, in the end. And, and, and more than the backup position, I think it's going, I think Yellen has, has the talent at least to um, pressure Kenny Pickett a little bit. Um, no. No, Stevie. Get out of here. What do you mean, pressure Kenny Pickett? What do you mean by that? Uh, I'm not saying I, – I, I'm not saying take the starting position, but I, I'm saying, you know, it, it, I think it provides some healthy competition. You I don't think? Competition is good, but the only scenario where Kenny Pickett doesn't start every single game is if he gets injured. Well, that's not what I was saying. Okay, okay. I just – the way you worded that, I was, I just, there's no pressure on Kenny Pickett. Like he's the starter, obviously. It's just, I guess, it's, absolutely, it's definitely good I, to have Joey Yellen in the room and eligible. And especially if Kenny Pickett goes down, then it's really good to have Joey Yellen eligible. Because to answer your question, Ben, I really do think that Yellen is the backup. Like I think he's probably the future of the quarterback room after this season. I like Davis Bevel a lot too, but watching Yellen last year, I mean, I feel like Pitt got an absolute gem right there. I don't know what well, you guys think, but I, I, well, I guess with Davis Bevel as well. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I, bottom line is it's great for the quarterback room. Um, so, and, and I think <clears throat> with that, um, it, it's going to force Bevel to uh, develop. Um, and, it, I, yeah, bottom line is I think it really does a, a ton for – for the QBs and it'll be interesting to see even, you know, Kenny has had some moments last season where um, he's taken a few shots and, and they, they've had to resort to, to second, second string QB. So maybe, you know, there's, there will be a time where we see yelling on the field this fall. I've definitely heard Narduzzi talk a lot about how he is very pleased with the depth in the quarterback room, considering if you look at the quarterback room, three or four years ago, it was not, you know, we, we maybe had a starter, but beyond that, we really didn't have much. Whereas now Pitt, you know, Pitt really has the, the, the best depth they've had at, at the quarterback position in, in a while. And I, I think they probably have four guys who could step in and play. You know, to go off of that comment, depth is going to be a reoccurring um factor to consider in a lot of positions um, throughout this team. But yeah, I, when is the last time we had a talent 
you know, th- three good talents, not necessarily starters, but I feel more um, assurance that if, if Kenny, you know, Kenny likes to move around, um, the fact of the matter is he's going to take some shots this season. So I feel more reassured with Joey Yellen um, at, at, in the second string position than, than Nick Patty, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's really between I, – I, I feel like Nick Patty is on his way to the, the transfer portal. If I'd agree. Um, he probably, you know, I definitely feel like he's the kind of guy who could 100% be a high-level starter at the FCS level, mm-hmm. you know, maybe even to a group of five school. Um, but Very competent in his one start last year against Delaware. Def- he definitely didn't did not embarrass himself in any of the playing time he saw last season. At the same time, I don't think his ceiling is anywhere near either of Bevis, uh, Davis Bevel or Joey Yellen. So I, I, I would love to see Nick Patty surprise everyone and win the backup job and you know, start next year. But that's that's I'd say that's the least likely scenario of the the quarterback room shakeout over the you know the next couple years. Sure. Pick it with. 12 starts last season, 3,000-yard passer with 3,098 yards on a 62% completion percentage, 13 touchdowns, 9 interceptions in his true junior season under center for the Panthers. He seems to be the big question mark as to whether Pitt will be able to take that next step into a true uh ACC championship contender uh, beyond what we've seen from them in the last two years where the goal was to really get to that championship game. It seems like with the defensive squad uh, assembled this year, there is talk and there is dreams of not just showing up to the championship game, but actually competing. And a lot of that talk, it seems, relies on Pickett's ability to take that leap into becoming a much more proficient administrator of the offense in his senior senior season. Yeah, I definitely I think Kenny Pickett's lack of success last year is probably the only reason why Pitt isn't getting picked second in the ACC by everybody. You know, we've seen some of that hype. Obviously noted Pitt fan or uh, noted Pitt uh supporter David Hale from ESPN who loves Pitt. Like he picked them to, to finish second in the ACC this year, mainly because he thinks Pickett, Pickett can be a lot better than he was last year. But I, I, I would love, I would love to see him make the jump of, you know, second year, more time in Nard, in Mark Whipple's offense, le- rely less on his athleticism than he did last year. And more on just delivering the ball to receivers who will hopefully actually catch it this season. Yeah, it's kind of strange to me. Um, you know, he had some games where um, his his decision making was was where it needed to be. Um, he he put the ball where it needed to be. And you know, for example, against Penn State, he passed for three hundred seventy two yards against one of the you know preseason and, and throughout the season one of the nation's best defenses. So it's not it's not like uh, you could say you get a good defense and you can slow pick it down. He has shown that he can be a very competent quarterback. I think uh, consistency is a little bit of an issue. Um, you know, games like Georgia Tech, where he just could not 
um, get into the rhythm and, and really push the uh, offense down the field. But I think time helps that. I think a little bit more uh, maturity helps that. And again, as you referenced, uh, another year uh, under Mark Whipple. And, you know, everybody likes to mention, well, maybe not everybody, but it, it's absolutely worth mentioning how bad the pit receiving core was in drops last year. And it's how many times did we see a drop on a third down that would convert and keep the drive going and, and the ball was dropped. So I think it'll be interesting to see with definitely an upgraded wide receiver core. What I think, I think the excuses for Kenny Pickett have definitely run out. I think it's, it's do or die um, for, for Kenny. Man's you mentioned noted pit advocate. We should say advocate. Uh, I was looking for Ben. Thank you. That's why you host the show. <laughs> David Hale of ESPN noted that Pitt last season had 44 drops as a team, the most in the FBS. Of those 44, 15 came on third or fourth down, 15 came in opposing territory, and this for a team that lost three games by a touchdown or less. You cut that number 44 in half, Pickett's line jumps to 65% on completions and seven yards per attempt, which is a notable gain. Steve, you went out and mentioned the uh, noted improvement in Pitt's wide receiving core, even with the loss of standout senior receiver last year, Maurice French, who signed as an undrafted free agent with the Kansas City Chiefs, looking to make an impact there in his rookie season in the NFL. But Pitt went out and they got a massive addition in tight end grad transfer, Lucas Kroll. You have the freshman phenom, Jordan Addison, who has actually been lighting up camp. What would you say, if you had to give a percentage ratio, say what percentage of Pitt's uh, success on offense this year will depend on Kenny Pickett's ability to take a leap himself? And what percentage would you say would depend on the ability of the weapons around him. And that would include the offensive line's ability to pass protect and open holes. What percentage would you say, you know, what's the split in terms of how much it depends on Pickett's ability to make those uh, improvements in terms of consistency? And how much would you say it depends on the players around him to support him better and make those plays and have less of those drops? I I would say... Tell me if you agree with this, Steve. I feel like it's probably 80-20. 20%. If Pickett can be 20% better, that's all. I think that's all we really need out of him. I think he was uh, – two years ago, I think he was pretty good. I think he was pretty good last year. Um, If if we can – if you know, I think it, we, we need a little bit better out of Pickett and a lot better out of everybody else. And I think Lucas Kroll, who you mentioned, will probably be – I think he'll be the biggest – the biggest, you know, reason for that for that improvement if it does happen is the I've already seen the players say that they're using the tight end more this season than they were last season, and I think that's simply because they just have more trust in the tight ends and they know that they can't use them, and it's probably going to make the offense a lot more dynamic. I w- I would assume. I, I agree to an extent, um, but I think. Kenny, I think he's he's still. I'd say four forty sixty. Um, I still think um, his decision making, um, throwing the ball downfield, um, 
it, it can be improved. Um, we saw some bad, bad interceptions last year. Uh, some interceptions that I didn't think I'd see from a guy who, who th- this was his second year, uh, second full season under center. Um, so, but I still believe that he, he really had a solid year and, and has a ton of potential. What I, what I kind of, I, I don't doubt that the, the talent that we have coming in um, as far as receiving goes is, is really deep. Um, you mentioned the tight end, which is going to be massive, but I'm really curious to see if the play call changes because we saw oftentimes where Pitt would uh, get up, uh, build an early lead in a game, and and the the play calling would turn conservative, and then we wouldn't be able to put points up on the board, and and, and it would lead to teams who shouldn't really have have kept it close, um, and and we found ourselves with some close finishes. So I, I hope there's some development um, with Kenny. I definitely think there's going to be development in the receiving core, but I hope Mark Whipple kind of gets into a, a groove himself as far as adapting to his team and, and hopefully can, can adapt his play call style as well. I, I see what you're saying there, Steve, but I think, I don't know. I think the problem with the offense was a lot more to do with the games that the they never got going at all. You know, like, yeah, we let Duke come back and, you know, we let, the, we let Syracuse creep back into the game. UNC came back and made it a close one. But, like, the real problem was Miami and Virginia Tech were just the offense did nothing the entire time. And those were probably the two most important losses of the season outside of Virginia, but – that was early. Uh, and I don't. I don't even want to comment. That. That. You know. That was just. That. I. I think. I will say. I think having. You know. Such a massively important ACC clash week one, threw the entire rhythm off for that entire game, and you could tell. Yeah. I. Yeah. There. There's. Especially considering the, the offense had no identity. Yeah. Whatsoever. They weren't. They. They lost their identity in Olson and Hall from the previous year, and hard to find an identity and to be honest they really never found an offensive identity they did a little bit in that i mean they did it it was just inconsistent that was their identity it was inconsistent and it was the complete opposite identity of what they had the previous season so who would have who would have figured that that's what what would have made you know the engine run but i i i definitely i agree with i agree with what you said there steve in that i think the play calling can and will be a lot better this year with another full off season under our belt, a, a, a fourth, a senior starting quarterback, a senior starting center, a very veteran offensive line. So I, I, I really, I really don't see any reason why the offense would take a step back. Right. No. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely not. Right. And I think the defense is at worst going to be as good as they were last year. But yeah. That, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I don't I know. Mean, I, I, I think I've been critical of the play calling and the offensive mentality in the same way that you were, Steve. But, you know, looking at it, it's difficult not to attribute it to everything that we've talked about over the last, you know, 10, 20 minutes when it comes to the drops on third and fourth down, when it comes to the, you know, inconsistencies in blocking, the inconsistencies in decision-making from your from your quarterback, as well as just the, you know, uncomfortableness 
that seemed to be present, especially in the first half of the season when it comes to Mark Whipple and the offense, which, like you guys mentioned, was so drastically different from the ground and pound that we saw Pitt have in the year prior where you have 2,000-yard rushers. Sure. Yeah, and and I think it's it's going to be one of the, one of the more interesting storylines of of the year because as, as much as everybody would love to talk about the defense, um, it the defense has proven himself themselves enough, and I think it really comes down to the offense. And I think, at least in my opinion, what I'm definitely most excited for is, is to see. It seems as if one of the more deep receiving cores that Pitt has had in, in, I'd say, correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, I don't want to overstep here, but a, close to a decade? Yeah, I, I agree. Keep going with what you're saying, yeah. Well, I mean, that's pretty much, it, it's going to be so exciting to see um, Kenny Pickett throwing throwing to many able targets. Uh, you. I'm I'm very high on Lucas Kroll. Um, I think we saw so much last year of Nikia Griffin Stewart and Will Gregg who just couldn't get it done from the from the tight end position. Um, especially Nikia Griffin Stewart had some pretty bad drops um, throughout the season, and I don't think, not to say that Lucas Kroll can't can't drop a ball, but I think it's going to be drastically different than than what we saw last year and a needed upgrade onto this offense that. You know, oftentimes Kenny would look to the tight end um, in desperation throughout a, a third down play. And and I think we have a, a tool or a weapon now that, that can help us convert those long third downs and give us more options down the field. Yeah. I think I think it will say a lot about the coaching staff in general if we don't see you know, the aggressiveness in play calling improve and the ability to show confidence in your fourth year starter. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I a hundred percent agree. And I, I don't really think coming into last season, I don't think I envisioned the offense to struggle like it did. So I, I don't want to have too much confidence, but I have confidence. I have confidence. <laughs> surprise, <laughs> surprise. I have confidence <laughs> the offense is going to be better this season. I think it's kind of hard not to. Um, you know, they didn't lose anything. Every, 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 every indicator is pointing towards the idea that the offense is going to is going to be much improved, and I think that's why David Hale picked us to finish second in the ACC. I, I would say he's probably one of the more knowledgeable media members regarding the ACC. And, you know, he, he's kind of sees the same thing. Will it bear out? Who knows? I, I, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see, especially considering the defenses that Pitt is going to go up against this season. There's a lot of, there's going to be a lot of good challenges for, for Kenny Pickett. And like you said, Steve, if he can eliminate some of the turnovers, I, I, Zoom. I, I I I like Kenny Pickett a lot. I I really do. I think I think people had you know, it, it's you know I think people. If you said this to Pitt students, they might laugh at you. But Kenny Pickett's going to play in the NFL, more than likely. I'd say so. 
a lot, a lot, you know, various members of the college football media, um, even though he hasn't had the numbers, are, are impressed with how Kenny Pickett plays. So his style of play is undeniable, undeniably sound. Um, it's just lit. I think it's small things uh, um, in his decision making, and that that could really just help him go from an average to below average ACC quarterback to someone who can really uh, drive an offense. It's it's going to be very interesting to see. The good, the good news for, for Kenny Pickett is that despite all the struggles last year and how disappointing the offense was, with a good season this year, he has a chance to live up to all of the hopes that Pitt fans had for him after that Miami game in 2016. Absolutely. Um, or sorry, 2017. He, if, if Pitt goes out and makes the ACC title game and the offense is good again, I, I, I think that's that's all Kenny Pickett has to, you know, ha, has to do to uh, to make make Pitt fans happy. Obviously, and, and I, I, outside of Notre Dame, I think Pitt is probably the favorite to be that second team. Um, UNC. Maybe, Maybe maybe UNC, maybe Miami, maybe Virginia Tech. I you know, I'm sure all all three fan bases would consider themselves the this team behind Notre Dame. Um but it's 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 Pitt is in that mix. You can't deny that. You if you're an objective ACC football fan, I would say that you would have to put Pitt in that mix at this moment. Absolutely. We've been talking a lot about the offense. The one position we haven't really touched on, besides mentioning the golden years of, you know, two years ago when it comes to Darren Hall and Quadri Olison, is the running back position. One of the main flaws in the offense last year, especially for a team coming off of such a identity of ground and pound like you guys mentioned, was the lack of a true number one running back. We saw the true freshman Vincent Davis establish himself as, you know, a guy who was very capable, but he never really, you know, seized, um, you know, perhaps due to a couple hand injuries, never really seized the true title of number one. A.J. Davis has been in the mix, Todd Sibley Jr. as well, along with another uh, couple Younger players, you have Daniel Carter, the redshirt freshman, as well as another true freshman in Israel, Abanaconda, who comes this year with rumors of his speed reaching all the way from Brooklyn, New York, as another early enrollee alongside Jordan Addison, who we talked a little bit when it comes to wideouts. How important do you see the running back position being in the development of this pit offense come 2020? And which of those running backs do you see truly emerging as perhaps the number one go-to guy? I, I think I think if Pitt has one of those number one back, you know, type runners emerge, that is a very, very good sign for 2020 if you're Pat McGuzzi. The likelihood of that happening, I think, is not very high. I I see a running back by committee type of thing. And if I had to pick one guy that I think, say, who will lead the team in rushing, I'd say A.J. Davis. I would love it for – I would love for it to be, you know, Izzy the freshman. 
Um, but I, 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 I think AJ Davis is similar, similar to Kenny Pick, Kenny Pickett, obviously on a much smaller scale. AJ Davis had hype, you know, coming into Pitt, and he hasn't really lived up to it up to this point. And this is his year. And I, 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 I think he's a very capable runner who was banged up last year and never really got it going to any level that you know he can at, he can play at. I think I do love both of the freshmen though in you know Abindaconda and uh, Daniel Carter, the redshirt freshman. I saw a comment from Narduzzi saying that you know he's a big physical runner who breaks tackles and is hard to get down, and you know, Pitt has not had. Pitt didn't have one of those guys last year. Um, like you said, Davis, I think, showed himself to be very capable and is definitely a guy I would love to see get, you know, at least five touches a game, get the ball in his hands a little bit. But if he's leading the team in rushing, that's probably not a great sign, I would say. I I, de- I agree with everything you said. I, more than likely, we'll have a running back by committee, but the thing that I'm so – I, I'm excited for that is, is is the fact that, you know, A.J. Davis, Vincent Davis, and Todd Sibley, you know, A.J. definitely, um, you could trust him to, to carry a lot more of the workload, but I there weren't a ton of differences I saw that between Vincent Davis and Todd Sibley. Hard runners uh, definitely broke some tackles, um, but I think the addition of the speed of Izzy is going to even add another dynamic to this offense. Um, you know, A.J. Davis is a fast runner, but he, I, it, it seems as if not as fast as Izzy. So I think adding that dynamic to the run game will will, will be able to maybe diversify some of the, some of the running going on. Um, I, I, I think that even though they don't have a number one running back, the good news is they have – a diverse running back group. And they Absolutely. Have do a lot of different things. I know Todd Sibley has been praised for his pass blocking. I heard a comment that he was the best pass blocking running back that they have. So he's going to see the field on passing downs. Um, AJ, AJ Davis and uh, Daniel Carter, I think are both good in between the tackle tackle runner type runners. And I think, you know, Vincent Davis can be your scat back and, you try to get a Bindaconda in there to hit some home runs for you. And hopefully all five, all four of those five of those guys combined and you, you have a running game. Yeah. And, and so I think where Izzy could come in is, is where the leak, where we saw the Carter in some areas. Um, I, I think um, a little bit, there's an upgrade there. Um, and, and as you said, I, I think there's a ton of utility in, 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 in the running backs that we have. So again, I, I, I think we upgrade here um, in this, in this off season so that we can diversify the playbook um, a little bit more by, by the end of the year, I think teams are pretty confident that they could stop the run and, and, and rely on Kenny Pickett for, for um, the majority of the offense. And I think that's different this year. I hope so. I, I think Pat Narduzzi hopes the same. He's a guy that, since he's been at Pitt, he's talked about how he wants to run the football. He wants to be balanced, um, you know, keep the defense off the field a little bit, extend drives. 
Um, and I think that the ability to capitalize on third downs and keep the chains moving through the air more will only help the running game, obviously. But at the same time, I, uh, I'm I'm very I'm very comfortable I'm very comfortable in the in the guys that Pitt has in the running back room. Um, I I don't think the offense that that's the that's the position group that I think the offense's success hinges on the least because probably the ceiling is not that high but the floor is pretty high and with running backs in general at all levels I think we've seen that it's more about you know, everything else that goes into running the football than necessarily the guy carrying it. It obviously helps to have, you know, a, a James Conner, but Pitt had 2,000-yard rushers two seasons ago with two guys that are you know, hanging on to a practice squad position in the NFL. Obviously both talented guys, but um, I, I don't I don't think that you need – a world-class running back to, to keep the offense to keep the offense going. I I, sure. I think has enough. I would say. I, I, Absolutely. I, that being I said, there's there's yeah. no disputing the talent in that running back room. I mean, you mentioned you know the key word at the very beginning of this episode, Steve, when it comes to depth and depth and depth and depth, and there is certainly depth in the running back room. You know, I think you hit it very you know pretty close to the head when you talked about all the different skills you know it really it's not one of those you know you don't have that guy who's the swiss army knife that can do it all but you've got all the different guys who together form a running back by committee where you do have that speed you have that pass blocking ability for todd sibley you have the kind of brawler and power type when it comes to daniel carter and if you know they can manage it and you know whipple can and the rest of that offensive staff can get the right personnel on the field at the right times and ride the hot hand when you need to ride the hot hand but being able to you know switch them out strategically i think i definitely agree that you don't really need a true number one go-to guy i mean you saw it when you know, you had those 2,000-yard rushers who we've already talked so much about for two guys that have been out of college now for a year and a half. You, I mean, Darren Hall was not expected to be the same type of guy that Quadri Olison was, who, you know, was ACC Rookie of the Year, basically, the year he filled in for James Conner and had a 1,000-yard season as a freshman, I believe. Yeah. But he was... You know, such a competent, you know, complement to Olison's, you know, more power brawler type because he had a little bit more of that breakaway speed where, you know, that one-two punch was so deadly. I think, you know, I don't know if any of any two backs in this year's stable, excuse me, are going to sniff the thousand-yard mark. But I do think that, you know, maybe as a team, you're not going to have your leading rusher have 500 yards, and then your second leading rusher have maybe 200 total. I mean, looking at the rushing numbers last year, uh, I want to say, I'm trying to find them in front of me. They weren't very good. Not, yeah. not, not at no. all. But at the same time, I th- I think that the the running, 
the con the continuity is going to be huge too because the style you know two years ago Pitt was using a fullback and it was just a completely different style of running the football. I think I think with an, a a full off season, it, that's going to be big big for the running game in in a variety in a variety of ways. And I I wouldn't be surprised even though I said I don't think it's likely I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Abindaconda leads the team in rushing. I think there's been a lot of a lot of hype, a lot of hype around him, and that that would be that would be a real bonus. But yeah, I I I think that Pitt's Pitt's running game pretty much has to be improved from last season, and I I I think it will be. I think with with an advancement in the offensive line, offensive line is crucial to this development. An offensive line that returns four starters. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think three of those guys were pretty darn good last year in Morrissey, Hargrove, and Carter Warren. Gabe Hoy is going to be playing a new position, but I think he showed a lot of toughness and a lot of you know capability at right guard. I think he's definitely a very athletic guy. He was a guy that you know, was a very good high school basketball player. I think he's going to swing out to right tackle and be just fine. Um, is that is that what you've seen projection wise? Is Hoy out at right tackle and Jake Cradle in at right guard? Yeah, I know that um, Hoy has been banged up in camp, um, but I think it's a battle between him and uh, the grad transfer, Keldrick Wilson. Wilson. Yeah, where where's where did he come Hampton. from? Hampton. Hampton. Sure. Yeah, I knew that. Um, yeah, Kendrick, <laughs> Keldrick Wilson and uh, Gabe Boy. I think that's the right tackle battle. And uh, I, I would love, I would love to see. I, I, I think there's been a lot of talk about um, Gonzalez at right guard as well, battling with uh, Jake Cradle. He's a, I think he's a redshirt freshman. So the, you know, we've been talking about depth, and I, I think the offensive line is another spot where there's a pretty fair amount of depth. I know Owen Drexel, the backup center has been getting a lot of praise. Um, obviously. It's having Jimmy. A, having a, what'd you say? You referenced the center position. Well, yeah, yeah, but you know, having a backup center who's capable and, you know, Absolutely. maybe could compete I, I over at guard is. I said Owen Drexel, the backup center, has been getting praise. Yes. So, I, I was I, I was just kind of praising Jimmy. Jimmy's great. I love you know him. how I do. The All-America candidate, All-ACC center, who has cemented that offensive line for three and a half years. Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah. I think Jimmy is probably the the least, the smallest question mark on the entire offense out of the 11 starters that, you know, are going to take the field and against Austin P. I think he's probably the one you have to worry about the least. Maybe I'd have to agree. Closely followed by Tazier Mack, but I I mean, that's a name, that's a name I don't think we've discussed enough is Tazier Mack because he had I don't know whether it was, you know, Pickett kind of trying to rely a little bit more on the big playability of Maurice French. You know, you had Shockey Jacques-Louis a little bit in there, especially towards the end of the season. But Taysier Mack really seemed to disappear at times 
but he made some some massive plays throughout the season. I mean, you look at that Penn State game specifically, that's the one that jumps out off the top of my head. He really has the ability to be that number one guy. I mean, we've all talked about, I don't think we've specifically talked about it here, but I mean, the, the breakout ability and the speed and the breakaway speed of Jordan Addison, uh, the true freshman wide receiver, but I mean, the dependability and the catching radius of Taysier Mack really has just the ability to cement this offense. Yeah, I think I think Mack was banged up a decent a bit decent bit last season. I I know he had off season surgery because he didn't. I don't think he participated in spring football in the in the little spring ball that happened. I think he had an off season ankle surgery. But I'm not sure on that. But um, I think yeah, a full season of him is gonna be is gonna be massive, especially you know all all praise the Maurice French. He was a great Pitt Panther for four seasons. But I think Jordan Addison is probably an upgrade as a true freshman. As crazy as that is to say, I you know we've heard Narduzzi. We've heard that. I mean, we've basically heard that exact statement from the coaching staff. Yeah. Yeah. Narduzzi has pretty much said that without saying it, that like Addison is going to be an absolute playmaker. Another year of Shockey and Jared, Jared Wayne developing. Really, they have three guys on the outside for those two outside spots. So that's that's a nice little you know depth there. And then inside they have a variety of options to go to. John Varzell uh, just got put on scholarship. He's another option in the slot. I, I could we see I, maybe a little J- bit of Will Gibson, the local kid. Will Gibson, I think, has a lot of a lot of potential. And then we can't forget about the other freshman receivers outside of Addison as well. Barden and uh, Henningham, Jalen Barden from Georgia. He he's been getting some hype in camp um, as a speedster who can who can. I believe I heard Narduzzi say that he'd be shocked if Jalen Barden didn't play at least four games this season. Um, so there, there's a variety of, of options and competition, you know, as Steve was saying earlier in the show with the quarterback room, competition is always good. And I, I think it's going to be one of the more, every position on the offense is pretty competitive outside of probably quarterback and tight end and center. But it's it's I, you know god sorry i was just gonna say uh death comes into play big time here and i know we've, we've mentioned it it's reoccurring i said it was gonna be re- reoccurring but um there there are a ton more options that we have this year than than we did last year um and, and and it it will really be exciting to see because you know you you you, you touched on Taser Mac, um, and he 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 kind of gathered such a name for himself uh, initially, especially at Penn State, um, and and there was attention drawn on him uh, throughout the offseason last year that I think teams played a little bit more paid a little bit more attention to him, um, so that could be a factor in 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 diagnosing why he disappeared but i think now um with the core that we have it's going to be difficult to um say all right 
we'll keep our eyes on French and Mac, and then we'll 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 go from there. Uh, you have to keep your eye on Jordan Addison. You have to keep your eye on Jared Wayne, Shockey Jacques Louis, um, Mac. It, it's it's really going to be. There's a lot more threats vertically. There, you know, it it's going to be a different uh, game in my opinion, with with the addition of of the freshman Addison Barden, um, Headingham. It's 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 a different wide receiving core than we had last year, and and dramatically so, I would say, dramatically so, and it's crazy. Um, uh, it, it's exciting to say the least. If you guys, if you guys had to wager. Who will lead Pitt in receiving yards? Oof. Not catches. Because I think catches is probably going to be Lucas Kroll. I'd say so. Yeah. But receiving yards is, I think, a much more interesting question. I'd still probably say Tate's here, Mac. I I would say Mac is the leader and the leader in the clubhouse. I mean, but if you're giving me if you're giving me great value on Jordan Addison, I might take that. I what, what, what are we talking here? If we're talking, what about Shockey? Tazier Mac at plus two hundred, Shockey at plus four hundred, and Jordan Addison at plus six hundred. Who are you taking there? Shockey. Give me give me two units on Tazier and one unit on Jordan Addison. Yeah, I th- I think I think Addison sprinkle a little something there. I mean, we've already essentially heard Narduzzi say that Jordan Addison's a starter. How often yeah. have we ever heard him say that about a true freshman? So quite rarely. So if if they already feel, com- I mean, he was here in spring ball, which is even more of a reason, you know, to be excited about him. But he's he's jumped in immediately and just proven himself to be quite possibly the most athletic guy on the team. Um, then again, leading a team in, in receiving yards as a true freshman is not something it's a hard that happens. It's not something that happens, especially when they have three other receivers who have all proven themselves to be, you know, high-level outside receivers and a tight end who's caught a lot of balls at Florida and is going to be getting, you know, the most volume of his career. But that that's that's going to be fun. That's going to be something that's going to be fun to watch. Um, a ton of fun. The weapons are pretty are pretty plentiful, which I think takes the conversation back to where we started, which is it's probably on Kenny Pickett's shoulders because the weapons are there at pretty much, you know, at running back, at wide receiver, at tight end. There's names. And and I think yeah, that I kind of mentioned that excuses have kind of run out. You know, Sean, you could you could attribute his performance his sophomore year to to the play calling of Sean Watson. That was pretty apparent. Um, and, and last year, drops were a huge concern. I think this year, this this offense has exactly what it needs to um, to make a big step. Um, so it, I it, it does rely a large part on Kenny Pickett to live up to the hype. I mean. I think I think the big one of the biggest factors that we haven't talked about yet either is capitalizing in the red zone and like turning those opportunities into six points. That that just like did not happen way too often. Way too many field goal attempts last year. 
And so that's something that Lucas Kroll will instantly advance. Yeah, you got you got to hope that he is a guy that when they get you know when the field shrinks a little bit, he he's a guy that they can that they can look to because as much as I do like their receiving core, I you know there's probably not a guy who is a guy who you're going to throw it up to in the red zone and hope that they're going to go up and get it. No, not really that matchup nightmare, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, a Mike Evans ish. Yeah. A chase Claypool. But I, I do, I do love, I do love the, uh, the, the addition of, of Lucas Kroll for the red zone. I, I think that's a great point, Ben. Like he, he, he is, he might he might be the most important he might be the most important you know player on offense outside of Kenny Pickett. If he has a big year, I don't see a scenario where the offense isn't you know. Would he be your pick for <laughs> Pitt's offensive player of the year? I I'd, I'd say I'd say it's going to be Kenny. I think Kenny I think Kenny is going to do enough where he he's going to make some plays with his legs. He's going to not turn the ball over as much, but I think Lucas Kroll has a good enough season where he gets drafted after this year. You know, in in the case of Lucas Kroll, it he did get passed up on the depth chart, but he got passed up on the depth chart by one of the best tight ends um, in college football, and Kyle Pitts. So, it everything I've I've read about him is that he's an athlete, um, has like a ninety-five mile an hour fastball. I love to reference that. But the kid, it, 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 he has – what? Nothing. What was that? Nothing. <laughs> but I, I think uh, he, he resolves a lot of the problems that the, uh, the offense had last year. Um, so, to, to, to your point, Ben, he very well could be um, offensive player of the year. Um, now, I, I, hope it's, I, I hope it's Kenny. I hope it's Kenny. But – there's a lot of potential um, for, for Lucas Kroll. I, he's an athlete. Um, as long as he brings the ball in, he's, he's infinitely better than um, the guys we had last year. Are you really trying to say that he's better than Nikia Griffin-Stewart? I – like, I would laugh. No, I would laugh if, if he didn't bring me as much pain as he did last of course, like, of course he is. Of course he is. I think Daniel Moraga, the backup tight end, is probably a lot better than Nikita Griffin-Stewart. Will Gragg was also awful last year. I'm sure he's a great guy, but, like, he, <laughs> he never did a thing in three seasons, and he was really bad. He dropped some bad passes last year, as did Griffin-Stewart, as did Maurice French, as did Taysier Mack. This is probably one of the higher ceilings at least in my time at Pitt, this is this offense probably has w- one of the highest ceilings um, all around, and it's going to be so exciting to watch. Do you have a particular hot take that you're feeling for the offense? Something that's really just bugging you to get out there? Me? <laughs> Either of you? I I could say some probably stupid. <laughs> I don't I'm know. sure you could. I'm sure you could manage to say something quite stupid. Would not put that. Well, I mean, my off-season take was that uh, Dontavious Butler Jenkins would uh, 
<laughs> play a large role in this off. That we remember him. That never, never really happened. Uh I don't know. My, I don't know. Manj, what about? You want me to go? Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Really, I mean, Stevie having trouble mustering up something dumb to say. <laughs> I'm shocking. I know. Okay, I'll say that I think I think Carter Warren will get. I think Carter Warren is a day two draft pick. Who? I think Carter Warren is going to have a very good season. You've always I'll, been high on Carter Warren. I'll say Carter Warren is uh, all ACC performer this year. That's my hot take. Read my mind, why don't you? What, did you have something about Carter Warren ready to go? Yeah, I did, actually. Unbelievable. I wouldn't say ready to go, but, you know, he was cooking. <laughs> Formulating. All right, Steve, right now. You had my I, 45 seconds to think about something. Yeah, I, I don't have really anything stupid to say. Um, Give me a guy that I, you think is under, undervalued. Undervalued. Hmm. It was better than, you know, the average. You know, I, 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 don't think, I don't think we talked about Vincent Davis enough. I think he could play a larger role than, than we, we initially gave him credit role for. I, I bet you here, – here's a, here's a hot take. Daniel Carter finishes with more rushing yards than Vincent Davis. Huh? Uh, no. I think – no. All right. We'll put a little bet on that. I think I think we could do that. I think that'll be easy. I, yeah, I think that's that's a good bet. I, yeah, I, I like I, that. I like, I like Dan. I think Daniel Carter is. He can he can be a, a, a AJ Dillon, a poor man's AJ Dillon. By the interesting. Time, by the time he is uh, graduated from Pitt, I, I like Daniel Carter. Even though I know in the spring there was they they had moved him to fullback. They were trying him there. They, you know, just he's a big he's a big back, but I, I I like Daniel Carter. I I I think Vinny Saint Thomas Aquinas guy. Oh, Vinny, okay. Vincent Davis is from Florida too. I don't know high school. Love having AJ Davis is from Florida as well, isn't he? Anyway, you got you got anything, Ben? I've got a special teams one if you want. Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Kirk Christodoulou will punt in under four games. I don't. I can see that. Yeah. Get ready for the Cameron Guess era. The Ben Sauls era. There was a point last year where Alex Kessman was punting. I think Kessman, at least the last three games, might have been more than that, including the bowl game where Kessman was the number one punter. That is just not good. Yeah, I, mean, I don't. Kirk is I, definitely I guess not it. I guess we should touch on special teams a little bit, um, just because we want to spend as much time as possible in this next episode talking about this defense. But when it comes to special teams, I think punting is definitely an area that hurt the Panthers last year. And you know, place kicking is place kicking. You know, Kessman has been about as consistent as you can expect for a college kicker. I mean, the one real black 
mark on his record is going to be Penn State, which any fan of the Panthers will argue he shouldn't have been put into that position to start with. The, he shouldn't have been on the field for that fourth and goal. And so you can't really blame him for missing, you know, a 17-yard field goal from, I think it was the right or left hash. So And okay. after that, he was pretty damn good, I thought. Like, he he made a lot of kicks as, you know. Like, he, like he scored. There was way too many scenarios where we got to the red zone and had to kick. I think, I think he he's scored. on the Lou Groza watch list. I wouldn't be surprised. If he can be accurate, if he can be accurate, he can be an NFL kicker. I mean, he Absolutely. has on the leg as anyone. But you can't miss kicks from inside 40 and kick in the NFL. No. Three for eight to start the year, 19 for 23 after that with a long of 54. 19 for 23 with 19 for 23 with range. That's about I mean, that's that's way better. I mean, college kickers is one of the running jokes of college football fans that kicking in college is never a sure thing. 19 of 23 is about as good as you can ask for. He scored all of our points against Miami. I think another interesting question will be who returns punts and kicks really. Mm. That, I mean, that has, that has always been a strength for this team going back to, you know, Henderson. Yeah. French was, French was good. I, I think Addison, I think they said Addison's going to be the guy. <laughs> If if he's as electric with the ball in his hands as it's looking like. Maybe a little bit of uh, Paris Ford, DeMar Hamlin back there, too. I think we saw both of them last year. Paris Ford would be interesting, but it would also be pretty scary. Yeah. I don't know what the hell Paris Ford would do back there. Returning. <laughs> he, would field, he would field so many punts that he has no business fielding. And I'd say it'd be like thirty seventy that he that he gets a decent return out of it. No, I th- I mean I think he'd be I think he'd be electric with the ball in his hands. I think he's just maybe a little bit too much of a wild card. That's yeah. Like if I want, feel like he he would take more risks than than it would pay off. That being said, I saw I've seen him retweet. I've seen Paris Ford retweet a couple of things saying like we need to get Paris Ford on offense and get him on the Heisman watch. So, I'm, yes, sir. I'm like, let's let's yes, sir. All aboard. Punts, get him some get him some targets. Strike the pose, did he bop? Yeah, let's get some Desmond Howard action. Like, let's do it. If he can, it was an it was an absolute shame that he wasn't mentioned in 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 as as one of the best safeties the last year. And I think he's going to come out motivated. Um, he already has a ton of hype, but I mean, just. Why? Why not? I think you know he's he, he just has such a feel for the game. He could make a play on offense. I'm so confident he could make a play on offense. Even though this is kind of a defense question, it relates to what we're saying. What? Who? What will? What will happen? You know, will there be more touchdowns for Paris Ford scored on any facet, offense, defense, special teams, or targeting ejections? That's a tough one. He had one pick six last year, I think, and two targeting ejections. I mean, I just hope I hope stick around. (laughs) I hope there's like zero little teaser, but no. Would you say zero what? Targeting, like, yeah. I I just don't think that's gonna happen. Wishful thinking there, bud. 
even though I, I don't agree with the targeting penalty against Virginia Tech last year. I think that was a soft call. No shit. We have to mention, uh, we have also the long snapper on awards watch list, best senior um, long snapper in college football. He's Callan Adaminus. He's on that. I saw uh, Narduzzi said he's coming back for next year. Because so he's two more years. He got a red shirt. Yeah. Because of the whole, because of COVID. If well, like yeah, the, I don't think it's gone through officially, but it's looking like the rule is going to go through that. Like, you don't lose a year of eligibility this year, even if you play. All right. That's insane. That's so, insane. He's just going to come back and be the long snapper again. Maybe Kessman will come back. Well, let's go. Apparently, Special- this guy. This guy out of, uh, I think it's Ohio, Ben Sauls, the freshman. Apparently, he's he's decent. Oh, yeah. I think I saw him on Twitter today. I yeah, did. All, the, all the freshmen were dropping, like, their new headshots and stuff. Yeah, they got their bio set up. Yeah, I saw Rashad Battles. He has just an electric head of hair. Yeah. yeah. He's also in a – I have a class with him, and so I already knew that from his Zoom, but. Yeah, <laughs> love love to see love to see like that's what you want your defensive backs. That's the swagger you want your defensive backs to have. I I, I love to see that, especially in in now that this defense is is where it needs to be. We we need to just swagger is something that that I think will come um, in the years coming up. So I think that's perfect. I think the DBs have a chance to be, you know, you know, with Paris Ford, Demar Hamlin. Don't spoil those, the, what? Don't spoil. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm getting too excited. It's hard not to, really. There's so much to say about the pit defense. A ton to say. So much to say that after an hour of breaking down the pit offense here. The Noon on Saturday show will be back for part two of the Homer Hour with another in-depth breakdown of a top-tier defense assembled by sixth-year head coach Pat Narduzzi as he and the Pitt Panthers look to take that next step in whatever this strange 2020 season will look like. That'll do it for this episode of the Noon on Saturday show. College football, as it was meant to be. For Steve Brown, Alex Banjarevic, I've been Ben Bobek. We'll see you next time right here on Noon on Saturday, because when it's noon on Saturday, it's college football.